Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto Home Life Business Insurance, they have it all. And the great staff to guide you to the right decisions on insurance. They're always updating, they do a fabulous job. All the time to making sure you're completely insured and making sure you're getting it for the best possible price. All at Purdy Insurance, Market Street, and somewhere go to purdyinsurance.com. How about Fords, Lincoln, Kias, and Hyundais? We're talking about Sunbury Motors now. They also have great pre-owned inventory that goes through a, what, 164-point inspection? I mean, with the suit, we got to point number four. He failed. No good! No good! No good! We only had 160 more points to go, and we just knew it wasn't going to do it. But a Sunbury Motors pre-owned vehicle gets by all 164. That's how you get the Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. History for Penn State's Mac O'Keefe and men's lacrosse. Scoop it, O'Keefe. Off the face dodge, he fires, he scores! Let the Lions roar! Mac O'Keefe. The greatest goal scorer in Division I men's lacrosse history. And he does it in 64 games. The previous record had been done in 75 games. Mack ended up with six goals in the game, including the game winner in overtime to beat Michigan, and ended that game with 217 goals in his career. The previous record had been 213 in 75 games. Mack has 217 in 64 games. He's a. I've interviewed him several times. He is a terrific guy. Syosset, New York. He and Sam Sternshine of the men's ice hockey team grew up together, played Little League baseball together. Now, they did not consult each other when they decided to go to Penn State. It just turned out and ended up that way. And Sam's done well for the men's ice hockey team. Mac has maybe the quickest release of anybody I've ever seen in lacrosse. Quick, I mean, and I've been watching lacrosse for more than 40 years here. I love going over and watching the game. It's fun to announce, too. I like to, I've announced several lacrosse games in my career. It's fun to announce. Mac is really good. And he and Grant Amen, now Grant, of course, is playing professionally now, made a tremendous combination for Jeff Tambroni. All right, so let's get to Saturday. It was a practice that included a scrimmage at Beaver Stadium, and with that we bring in Rich Scarcell. It's always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Steve. So what was uh, your impression watching, uh, I'd say, what, an hour 20, an hour and 25-minute scrimmage on Saturday? What would you think? 
I, I mean, I, I, first of all, uh, I, I saw a lot more than I expected in terms of personnel. Um, overall, I think, as I wrote for, for in today's Reading Eagle, uh, I was impressed with the defense, mm-hmm. even though it is without, or it was without, Tariq Castro Fields, Joey Porter, Tig Brown, Jesse Lucetta. Um, they were there, but they did not play. I was very impressed. Obviously, Kalen King, everybody's, you know, he jumps off the page when you watch the scrimmage, and he was impressive. But I was really impressed with the entire secondary, the guys who did who did play. I thought they they covered very well. I thought they tackled very well. Um, I liked Arnold Ebicady. Did I say it right, Steve? It is Ebicady, yes. Thank you. Um, I He had... He got off the line of scrimmage very quickly. Uh, he looks like he's going to be a handful, especially in uh, uh, in pass rush. Uh, I thought the linebackers played well. I mean, you know, you, there's nothing that jumps off the page that 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 says, "Hey, you know," because we didn't have any stats or anything. But I, I don't remember them really uh, messing up. Offensive. I'll, I'll be real quick. The offense. Um, because Brent Pry did a lot of blitzing, it's hard to tell where the offensive line is right now. They were without two potential starters, Juice Scruggs and Des Holmes. So I'm not going to judge them um, harshly. Uh, but Mike Yersich did say afterwards when asked about Sean Clifford's consistency that um, he really um, he's looking forward to him improving on that, especially these last three practices this week. Yeah, and that, and that makes sense because, look, Sean's had some really good moments during the course of the spring. Uh, you know, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, this is one where I thought the defensive front, I completely agree with what you said. The defensive front had the advantage over the offensive front because the defensive front had everybody. The d- offensive front did not, as you pointed out. And I think that that does make a big difference. But I also like the fact that uh, that Brent ran a lot of looks at them during the course of it, and it was not a you know you and I know what the rules have been in in past scrimmages. Uh, we've been around for all of them, uh, so that didn't apply to this. It was okay, play it all out, and this is what we have, and, and bring it. And conversely, the offense did a couple of things when they went tempo that the defense had to work on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, and the one thing I did I neglected to mention in. The, in when I answered your first question, I was extremely impressed with Kevon Lee's running. Yes, um, that he was clearly the best running back on the field. Knowing that Noah Kane didn't play and knowing that John Lovett didn't play, um, I was impressed with him last year as a freshman, and uh, I'm still impressed. I, I love the way he runs. Uh, he runs as, as James says. He runs downhill. He runs north south. I mean, there's no there's no messing around. He he does bounce off people. Uh, and in the Big Ten, you're going to have to do that to run inside. So, yeah, that, that was very impressive. But, yeah, the, def- the defense, you know, and, and, and Brent would be the – he was the first one to, to, to shoulder the blame back in, in December with a week or two left in the season. Um, they didn't play well last year overall. And I think I, – I went through all the changes that have been made, personnel. I'm not going to go point by point. Personnel and then move – inserting Jacobs on the 
strong side linebacker and moving Brandon Smith over to the, the weak side where Micah Parsons had played. I think that move plus the personnel additions, uh, I think that's going to really help the defense. Yeah. Uh, and what I'm impressed with with Brandon Smith is a point I brought up with Jack on Saturday. Jack was moved uh, from outside to middle linebacker in 1970 for his senior season. That's where Joe wanted him to play. And Jack had to get used to the tra- traffic pattern inside. It looks so far to me like Brandon Smith has done a great job of making that adjustment. He seems to be perfectly comfortable with the traffic pattern inside. Yes, I, I think he'll be able to handle that. And I think my guess with, is that he will be more effective near the line of scrimmage. He'll be more involved in the run game Agreed. and more involved in the, in, the, in the pass rush. And, you know, we a lot of us, and I have to blame myself include I'm, th- I'm thinking in the middle the course of last season, well, he's not having a good year. But he really wasn't involved in a lot because he was in pass coverage or he was away from the ball. And he, he, and there, there were stretches where you had to remember, oh yeah, he's in the game. But I don't. I think that was more a result of the position he was playing more than his ability last year. Right. Now, so I, yeah, I look, I'm looking forward to him having a greater impact on defense this year, among other things. But that for sure. See, this is where depth comes into play because you can make that move because Curtis Jacobs can play outside. I mean, that's why you can do it. If Jacobs can't do it, you can't make the move. Well, Jacobs can do it, and they like how he's done that so far, which now brings me to Marquise Wilson. Now, I know Wilson didn't get a chance to show a lot on Saturday, but because of the depth of corner, they can give him a look at an offense. I think he's been there now six practices. Uh, you know, What did you think about the potential of that move with him to offense? Because obviously James and Mike were both asked about it. In the limited, um, let me say, in the limited time, I, you know, we saw him on Saturday at wide receiver. Yeah, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But more importantly, more significantly, it tells you how deep Penn State is at cornerback. And I wrote today, they have, not including Marquise, and I don't know what the plans are for Marquise in the fall. Right. But not including Marquise. They have six cornerbacks who I think they feel they can use and be be effective. Agreed. And I don't ever, maybe I'm wrong here, but in 30-plus years, I don't ever remember Penn State State having that much depth at cornerback. No, neither do I. Neither do I. Because obviously you've got Joey Porter Jr., you've got Tariq Castro-Fields, You've got obviously Keaton Ellis that can play over there. You got Johnny Dixon that can play over there. You got Daquan Hardy can play over there. You got Kalen King that can play over there. I think that's six, right? Yes. And and all all of them have shown they can play. And I obviously King was you know was firsthand for everybody inside. But I think that that's a big part of it. I think that gives them now same story as we talked about. You can move Wilson over. It also gives you versatility in other places on defense because you have those that many guys. And the other thing that I Brent said afterwards is that Dixon can play safety, and you, you, yep. you're probably aware of that. But that Dixon can play safety, so they that gives them even more flexibility. But I think they're going to be pretty good at safety with um, Brisker and Sutherland and Brown when you know when he's able to play, right. you know, in the fall. Um, 
I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think they're going to be, especially their back seven, I think there's going to be a big improvement over last season. And I'm, I'm not trying to be critical of anybody in particular, but I, I, I think their defense is set up to be pretty good, you know, and, and have a bounce back year after last year. And you mentioned up front, and I didn't even mention P.J. Mustafer. You know, obviously he's added weight. Um, he admitted to us last week, he said, I don't think I played well, we didn't play well, and, and I think he's out to, you know, out to prove something. And um, and they're deep at the end, they're deep at tackle. Yeah, I, I, I like how they they look right now, you know, whatever it is, five months away from the season opener, right. especially in a defense. What was it like to see people back in the building? Uh, I, 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 I was so intent on watching the scrimmage. Oh. I, I'm going to be honest. I mean, did I know? Yeah, there were people there. I mean, good for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's hopefully things progress and you're going to be able to see more people in the building when the season actually begins. Right. I just, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah, it was different. I mean, we, there were people for those first two games, but or for, was it was it the first two games, Steve? Yeah. Last year, before mm-hmm. there were no people. Right. That yesterday was it was or yesterday Saturday wasn't striking to me as much as those last few games last year when there was nobody in the stadium. Right. That was bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, that was it was bizarre. I just you know, I. Obviously, we get started at noon, mm-hmm. you know. So, <laughs> eventually, at some point, I, I think during a during a commercial break, I, I looked over at Jack. I said, "I said I know they sent out invitations." I said to the freshman, I said, "It looks like everybody accepted." <laughs> so, I thought that was at least neat to see. And then, of course, afterward, they they ran around, they talked to everybody. Uh, I mean, the the players went around the stands and were slapping hands with you know recognizing mm-hmm. that the, the students were there. Uh, backups, Taquan Roberson. Uh, it's probably the first long look a lot of people have had at him. What did you think? I mean, it's only it's only one, but what'd you think? Yeah, yeah. I I thought he did some nice things. I you know he, he showed mobility and 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 more importantly, when he moved, he wasn't looking to run immediately. He was looking downfield. Right. And I as with a young quarterback, that's something I think is a Big, big positive. Um, you know, he made a couple nice throws. You know, the, the interception, the, the, the King returned for a touchdown, not a good throw, not a good decision. But as I can't remember if James or Mike said, with the young quarterback, you're not really going to know until they're in the middle of a game. Right. And, but I, I, I mean, it, I'm, I would be encouraged if I was Penn State by, by what he showed. And, and, and Christian, I thought, for somebody who's only been on campus for three months, I, I thought he quit, acquitted himself well. I mean, he's he didn't play last year, right? Because of COVID, and not because he had it. I mean, because his his uh, team canceled its season. Right. Um, but I yeah, I thought he acquitted himself well. Uh, I think what it's going to come down to in the fall as a whole, when you look at the offense as a whole, is giving Sean Clifford time. And if you give him time. I th- I think he can have a big year. I do. All right, I have to ask you this. Sure. Um, I know where you're going. Go ahead, answer it. 
<laughs> What's wrong? I What's haven't it? watched much. <laughs> I'm talking about the Yankees here. I know. Oh, no, I know <laughs> no, what you're talking I, about. I, I, I no, haven't I, I watched had to, much. I had to, I had to tell Just, the audience. I had to tell yeah, the audience. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. Um, they are, what are they, 5 and 10. 12 of their games have been against Tampa and Toronto. 12 right. of the 15. Right. Now, Tampa has beaten them like a drum for almost three years. Right. Toronto is very good offensively and has a lot of live arms in its bullpen. That doesn't excuse what's going on. They are. This is sort of what I feared because it's the same makeup of the team for the last, I don't know, three years. They're right-handed heavy. They're as a lot of teams in Major League Baseball, most of their hitters are all or nothing. Home runs or strikeouts True. or walks. True. And I don't like that style of baseball at all. Um, and they need they need to have one or two more left-handed hitters, and they need to have one or two more contact hitters. Uh, the pitching is hanging by a thread after Garrett Cole, the starting mm-hmm. pitching. Mm-hmm. And I seriously wonder if they're going to reach 90 wins this year. I, I don't know if they will. Here's the, here's the biggest issue that if I, were, if I were a Yankee fan, that would bother me that a lot of people don't talk about. The, the Yankees are not a good defensive team, and that's something you can't correct. They are, they, they, they are they, not a good defensive yeah, team. Yeah, especially at shortstop. Yeah. That's not Torres' best position. No. He was better at second base. And the decision not to re-sign Gregorius two years ago, let alone this year, uh, I think was a bad decision yeah. because and another he was a left-handed hitter he wasn't a 290 hitter but he was a 275 hitter and he was much better defensively than Torres as a shortstop yeah. and that's I mean that's not the only issue but that's you, you, you hit it on the head Steve I mean Urshela's very good at third but the rest, the three other infielders. I mean, Lemayhew's average. He's yeah. not. He's average. Well, my point, my point being is that if you have some shaky starting pitching, yeah, which they do. Oh, they absolutely. Okay, but you can be bailed out with good defense. Yeah. All right. But now, if you're a shaky starter, your defense plays well behind you. Suddenly, you get a little bit of confidence. And they don't have that playing behind him right now. That is a big issue that a lot of people, like you and I watch the game a lot with the subtleties of the game. And that's, that's you know, and that's what I'm seeing. Like, there's no there's no bailout behind these guys. No. No, there's not. Um, you know, Judge is an above-average right fielder. Yeah. Um, when he plays. When he plays, and that's, 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 I didn't even get into that. And then Hicks is good in center, but he's, they're batting offensively. They're batting him third, and and the teams have figured out if you throw him strikes, chances are he's not going to hit them. Yeah. Absolutely. So you know, it, it's it's a really weird makeup of the team. Even though they won a hundred games the last three years, it's right. just not. Uh, this is. I mean, this is the worst I can remember them being in a long time, and it's just. I, I was afraid of this because, like I said, the makeup of the team. It's just. Yeah. It, it's you know they're they're going to get eaten alive by right-handers. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, all right, my friend, uh, are you going to be here for Friday or? Uh, I am not. 
Okay. Uh, it's it's too late in the day for our print deadline. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I will not be there. Okay. Because yeah. I'm, I'm freer on Friday. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing you. So we're not because we're not going to broadcast that one. So no, but yeah. uh, you could fill me in. Hey, I will. Hey, thanks, Steve. A- anytime, Rich. All right. Take Rich- care. Rich Scarcella, Reading Eagle. Back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. On Saturday, when Doug said, what do they need to do, and the suit responded, I think Jersey Shore needs to, I found that to be concerning. (laughs) That's because, at times, it may have felt like a Jersey Shore game for him. (laughs) What, were there Holy Cross fans booing him? Uh, Not necessarily. I'm telling you, I, I, I prepped all week. <laughs> okay. I'm going to talk about Sean Clifford. I'm going to talk about NBA ratings, sports ratings as well. Not good news for the league. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, they cover it all. Look, you don't want to go through life without insurance. You just can't. Can't do it. The day you need it, you want to make sure it's there, and you want to have make sure that it is the best in the business that has your back. That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous pre-owned inventory. A 164-point inspection, by the way, they go through on their pre-owned inventory. We started a 164-point inspection on the suit, got to three, and medically had to stop. Not at Sunbury Motors. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. 
Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. I'm going to get to NBA ratings in a moment. I want to get to Sean Clifford. There appear to be a lot of people offering opinions on Sean Clifford from Saturday in an event in which there were 100, where there were 7,500 people. Okay. So I don't quite know, you know what the when you're the quarterback. You are going to get plenty of praise. And when you're the quarterback, you're going to get plenty of criticism. It's just the nature of the position. And it is... just comes with the territory. But we're also in a time right now where people can transfer, go anywhere they want, start up someplace else. You know, Penn State has critical guys, five critical transfers in this group. Now, one, you know, the Wilson kid from Harvard isn't here yet. Boy, I hope he can cut it academically. (laughs) But John Lovett at Baylor, Johnny Dixon, South Carolina, Arnold Ebicady from Temple, and Derek Tangelo from Duke. All are really going to help. But that also means that anybody on your roster can also transfer out. Here's a guy in Sean Clifford that stays here, and believe me, if he put himself into the portal, he'd have a lot of interest. But he stayed here, and is going into his third season as the starting quarterback. 2019, he was really good. First five games of last season, obviously, there was a struggle. Last four games, he had one turnover. He has had some really, really good moments during the course of the spring. Now, I can make that statement because I've actually watched those really good moments this spring, and the critics have not. I'm talking about the critics meaning fans here. I'm not talking about media. There have been no media critics, you know. But there have been some fan critics of him. And as Brent Pry tweeted out today, essentially, thanks to Sean Clifford for making our defense better every day because he brings that kind of challenge to the defense. Yeah, were there a couple of interceptions on Saturday? Yes. Do you want to see them? No. Did Mike Yurcich say, hey, look, we're working toward a level of consistency? No question. Nobody wants consistency more than Sean Clifford. Positive consistency. That's the same in every position that you're looking at. You're looking to get consistency on a high level from as many players as possible. Obviously, it's critical for him to be. But there's no doubt that this guy gives them the best chance of winning. There's no there's no getting around it.
And the same guy that brilliantly directed a two-minute touchdown drill, ones versus ones on Wednesday, and then threw a touchdown pass to close out the, I think it was 139 was on the clock. Had to convert a third down here, had to convert a fourth down there, you know, and brought him right down the field, and finally at the end threw a touchdown pass to Daniel George. Same guy who did that on Wednesday. The same guy who was out there on Saturday. I'm one of those individuals who has a high level of confidence in him. I trust him. Not a little. I trust him a lot. And I think with Mike Yurcich, he's just going to get better and better as time goes. There's no game at the end of this. They're practicing today. They're practicing Wednesday, and then they've got one more shot in Beaver Stadium Friday. I think it's Friday evening. I think it's like 6 to 8 on Friday evening. And then it's 7 on 7 time. But they've laid a great foundation to set themselves up for training camp, and that includes Sean Clifford. He's your quarterback. If you're a Penn State fan, he's your quarterback. Criticizing him gets you what? Points at the tailgate? You have no idea if they're running the right route. It was also, I'll tell you one of the big advantages on Saturday. First of all, that was not vanilla. It was one versus ones. Penn State's running offense. Defense is running looks, stunts, everything. I mean, they that was a practice practice right there on Saturday. Now, is, did everything Penn State's worked on during the course of spring show up? In the, in the No, of course not. But they still worked on several things. They were working against a defense that was blitzing and stunning and everything like that. They were not playing base coverages or, or anything along that line. And it wasn't ones versus threes. The whole idea is to get better. As Brent Pry tweeted out when it came to Sean, iron sharpening iron. He's going to be better because of the defense. Defense is going to be better because of him. And Taquan Roberson, there, I'll tell you the improvement I've seen in him. He's, you know, he's got he's got something on the fastball now. And he's far more sure of himself now. I like Taquan Roberson. He's done a good job and really has improved himself as time has gone. Christian Veyu didn't play at all last fall. Early entry, you know, because of COVID, he didn't play it all last fall. Early entry comes in, take a little bit. I thought Saturday's the best he's looked in the spring. I was glad to see that. Consistency's the name of the game for almost everybody out there. Take Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson has achieved a level of consistency, and he's done it at a high level. That's what you want to see. Parker Washington has kicked his level up and is performing at at a high level of consistency. He can be even better, though. That's the amazing part about him. But he's had a really good spring. So is Keandre Lambert-Smith. You have the ability to take 
Marquise Wilson and make him an athlete on offense? Because you have six corners now, as Rich and I talked about. Tariq Castro-Fields, Joey Porter Jr., Keaton Ellis, Daquan Hardy, Kalen King, and Johnny Dixon, the transfer from South Carolina. Because you have a lot of depth there, three deep, you can take Marquise Wilson and make him an offensive player. Brandon Smith can go from outside to inside because Curtis Jacobs can play. It's not, don't, you know, it's one thing you cannot sit there with the periscope look. You have to have a wide vista look as to why certain things happen. Brandon Smith, boy, he's, he looks good there. That's where he should be. He should be playing closer to the line of scrimmage. He should be there. Well, he's there now, and the reason he can do that is because when you open up to the wider vista, there's Curtis Jacobs out there who can play the position out to the field. Makes a big difference. And same thing with Wilson flipping over. To get a shot at playing, you know, and Wilson's been there. Marquise has been there what nine, ten days. He's done six. I think he's done six practices at the at spot. Taylor Stubblefield spent a lot of time with him in that spot. And I go back to Jack Ham announcing Drew Hartlob's scholarship on Saturday. Tells you how tight knit this team is when you see the reaction to him and to that. You have three more left. This will set the foundation for the offseason. It will set the foundation for training camp in these three practices. And then Wisconsin on September 4th at Camp Randall. Talk about a motivator for both teams. You get out of the gate with a win there, it then starts setting up some things for you. All right, we'll come back. We'll take a break. We're going to talk about the NBA ratings crash, which is not good. Back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. As the days get warmer, our attention turns to home improvements and even starting a new business. Remember, you can't expect the unexpected. Protect yourself, your family, your business with insurance from Purdy Insurance. We're independent and local and we'll find the right insurance to fit your needs. Give Purdy Insurance a call at 570-286-5855. Send us an email or go to our website at purdyinsurance.com to see what we can do for you. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 and Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, the NBA's got a problem. And the problem, uh, I'm trying to think the, 
was it the Philadelphia and Nets game? Which, of course, we've talked about extensively about who's out, who was in, so forth. You know, we talked about that. But there is... It's not WWE wrestling. It's what? AWN wrestling? Something like that? AWN is like the second level of wrestling on TV. And the NBA game of the week lost out to that on cable. Oh, boy. That's not good. So this is where the NBA... Now, obviously, social... uh, Not social media. uh, I want to say... Getting games on the web, online, whatever, online viewing has increased. There's, There's no getting around it, but not enough to make up for this. Not even close. NBA ratings on NBC, on ABC. NBA ratings on ABC over 10 years have now gone down 45% since 2011 and 12 to now 2021. The ABC primetime game of the week is down 45%. TNT games are down 40%. ESPN games are now down 20%. And remember, outside the NFL, is there any league that is more promoted than the NBA? And I don't blame, believe me, do I blame ESPN for constantly pumping the NBA over and over and over again? No, I don't blame them at all because they put $1.4 billion per year of their hard-earned money into it. So they're trying to get people interested in and excited about it. So I don't blame them in the least, but the ratings, when it's pumped up, pumped up, pumped up, and you're still losing ground, you've got a problem. So a recent poll was conducted by Yahoo News slash YouGov. 34.5% of the respondents have watched less sports due to social justice campaigns. Okay. Now that's overall. That's according to the polling. Uh, how accurate? Well, I don't know. The recent crash, the recent ratings crash follows the past two NBA finals where each dropped more than the other, down 51% last year to an all-time low. The worst performer was the final game, which was down 70% from the year before. That's when the Lakers clinched. The average viewership of league games right now stands at 2.83 million. I know the NFL plays on a Thursday night. They play Sunday. They play Monday. The Sunday afternoon ratings for the NFL are like in the 15s. Phenomenal numbers. Not 2.83 million. And again, as I pointed out the other night, the NBA game of the week on ESPN finished behind AWN Wrestling. 
Yikes. So how does the NBA have to view this? According to the story, the collapse of viewership might reflect recent polls, finding that basketball fans feel that the league has become too political. In September, now this is last year now, this is not recently, a Harris poll found that 39% of sports fans felt the NBA had become too political. 19% said they turned off pro basketball because of the NBA's deep business links to China. Remember, the NBA in 2019 had that problem with Daryl Morey's tweet about Hong Kong and then the reaction to it. And uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver acknowledged that people, quote, this is his quote, just want to watch a basketball game. I mean, they have a problem. And the basketball, you look at Steph Curry the other night playing against the Celtics. What a phenomenal performance that was. And then you look at the other side, Jason Tatum. I think Curry had, what, 53 in the game? Tatum had 44. Phenomenal performances. Fun game to watch. High level. Yet it's not translating with the casual fan. Why? I'm just asking the question, why Why isn't it translating with the casual fan? The, the final four translated with the, with the casual fan. But the NBA, which, now let's see if the, what the finals do this year. Uh, I'm trying to think of the finals that are going to be in. It might extend out to July. Let's see, this is where, and I pointed this out last week, but this is where players complaining about playing, and Fred Van Fleet was the latest one. And Van Fleet, you know, look, he works. He's had to work for everything in his basketball career. Wichita State, the NBA, the whole deal. But like the Raptors are having guys taking games off. You're, you don't win fans that way. You, you don't. And I know the schedule is so tight right now. I got it. I understand it completely. So it's not like I'm not completely sympathetic to what the players are thinking. But the NBA right now is, is going through a bit of a viewing crisis period right now, and you got guys complaining about playing. That doesn't help you. Today's show has been brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. Market Street and somebody go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. You'll deal with the best in the business. Purdy Insurance. Market Street and somebody go to purdyinsurance.com. Dot com on News Radio 1070 WKOK.